Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Well, hello, everybody. I wanted to insert a note here. Uh, something came to my attention after I'd already recorded the podcast that uh, I needed to share with y'all. There's been a, uh, or going to be a bill introduced in the House of Representatives, H.R. 607, and part of the wording of the bill would eliminate our 70-centimeter band uh, for, I think it's 420 to 440 or something like that. Anyway, uh, we've had threats like this before. UPS wanted part of our 220 band, so the FCC took it, and when uh, they decided they didn't want it, uh, the FCC went ahead and sold it off instead of giving it back to us. We also had a threat from Microsoft at uh, in the late 90s, uh, concerning this same band. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and post some information over at the website, rfpodcast.info. And, uh, y'all go over and take a look. There's a, uh, there'll be a link in it to, uh, go to a website to print a letter to your representative. Uh, all you have to do is, uh, enter your call sign and save it and sign it and then, uh, fax it or mail it to this gentleman who appears to be one of the league's, uh, legal representatives pretty easy to do but uh this band is in danger and i know a lot of folks use it um i'm not a big 440 guy but i know there's a whole lot of people that use 440 band for not just uh repeater operations but other things like satellite communication that kind of stuff so go over to the website take a look uh, chances are it'll be posted right under the uh, post for the uh, this show and the show notes uh, I'll try and make it as prominent as can, but, uh, I am working with prepackaged software over there. So with that, we'll go ahead and get on to the sh- get on with the show.
Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am your host. Uh, I'd like to welcome everybody back. We're in the studio again this time. Uh, we're going to start a new series. I'll talk a little bit about that in the uh, next segment. We've had quite a bit of quite a bit of feedback come in since our all feedback episode, and I'm going to go ahead and try and get through it uh, uh, fairly quickly, so that we can get on to the rest of the show. All right, first up, we have uh, we have a piece of email from Corey KB9JHU KB9JHU. Uh, Corey writes, "Hi Richard, I saw your call call for podcast ideas." Let me introduce you to Bryce and Brent Salmi. They have put together a collegearc.com and are a huge driving force behind getting the college demographic active in a ham radio. Aside from the website, they also organize a weekly net across IRLP and Echolink for college clubs and members to all get together and get to know one another swap ideas, etc. At any rate, their story is a good one for any ham to hear. And I know they would appreciate any help in getting the word out. Brent and Bryce, uh, well, he's telling them, uh, Brent and Bryce, Richard KB five JBV is the host of resonant frequency podcast and co-host of Linux and ham shack 73 all Corey KB9JHU. Well, thank you for writing in, Corey. And uh, yes, I put a put a call out for show ideas on Twitter a little while back, and uh, I must admit I haven't had a chance to get over to College ARC yet. Y'all go over and check it out, and uh, uh, let me know what y'all think. And I'm gonna try and go over myself and see what's going on. So uh, y'all, uh, thank you, Corey, and. Uh, Let's move on to the next one. Like I said, I'm going to try and get through these fairly quickly. Um, the next one is from Bill <laughs> and Ray. <laughs> uh, I've got Bill set up so that when y'all comment on comment on the website, it also sends him a copy so he, he knows what's going on. And he says, hi, Richard. The, the email below was sent to me but was qu- clearly meant for you. More fodder for the feedback episode. By the way, nice job on the introduction to Ubuntu video. Well, thank you, Bill. Uh, That's part one of this feedback. Thank you, Bill. And yes, uh, we are trying to do some videos and get them up on YouTube. You can access them through the website, uh, uh, rfpodcast.info stroke podcast with a capital P or just put in rfpodcast.info and it'll forward you on to the new site. But uh, check out the videos. We're trying to uh, get a few up there for y'all and get things moving. So the message he got, which was uh, he went ahead and forwarded to me, is from Ray, KO4RB. And Ray's one of our regular listeners. He, he sends us feedback all the time. He says, Richard, glad to see you're back. Sorry to hear you had a rough year. Seems like this was a tough one for a lot of folks. Ham radio seemed to be near the bottom of my list, too. I did a lot with our club, but my solo radio work was almost nil. So I'm looking forward 
to the coming year also. Can't wait to see what you have in store for us in the next few episodes. And that's signed 7-3, Ray. Thank you, Ray. And uh, it's good to hear from all of y'all. And we're glad to be back. We are definitely glad to be back. Some of it was personal issues. Some of it was uh, 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 cash issues. But we're back on for now. We'll see what happens. So thank you, Ray. All right, the next one we got is from Tim. Y'all know Tim, KI6BGE. He's uh, he's one of the guys that uh, has been around a long time also. And the first comment from Tim this time around is, Richard, you hid the login again. Where is it? Tim, KI6BGE. The new website, folks, does not have a separate contributing user area. Everything's up front. So, uh, what you see is what's on there. Nothing's hidden. Nothing's put away. One of the reasons we went back to WordPress was to try and simplify things. So if you get over there and there's something you think ought to be there, that's not there, let me know. And we will, uh, continue to move on with that. The next message we also have, which these were feedback on the website, by the way, is from Tim, and it says, nice layout. I'm still a big fan of both podcasts. Thank you, Tim. I know you are. Uh, man, Tim Tim done wrote a book. Okay. Well, that's the ones we have from Tim at the moment. I uh, see there's a little few more, a little further down the list, but we'll get to those as we come across them. The next one's from Jerry Taylor, uh, KD0BIK. And uh, I know some of y'all out there have been wondering, let me go ahead and put the news out now. Uh, by the time this episode comes out, we will have already done a episode of Linux in the Hamshack, and it should be out. Uh, Tim is going back into production at uh, Practical Amateur Radio Podcast. So we're all glad to hear that Jerry's going to be back on. And uh, Jerry, more power to you, brother. Jerry writes, hello, Richard, just wanted to drop a line and say I w- it was great to find you again in my iTunes feed. Your podcast over the years has helped me tremendously, and just as important, your friendship has also been powerful. I wish you the best of luck with RF Podcast 7-3, Jerry, KD0BIK. Jerry, thank you, and yes, you know, you contacted me in the very beginning, uh, want some ideas on getting things going. And, uh, you know, there've been times that, uh, I felt the need to get, get in touch with you and try and prop your ego up a little bit, but I sure am glad you're going to get back on there because you are in a better position to do the new ham perspective than I am. Cause you're a lot closer to it. Sometimes I just, uh, um, sometimes I'm just a little too far away from, a freshly new license to to keep looking that direction. So, Jerry, we're glad to have you back and keep up the good work, man. All righty, we have uh, another piece of feedback from Tim, KI6BGE. Uh, he was went over and looked at uh, one of the videos over on YouTube and left piece of feedback over there, which says, Richard, not too shabby for a first attempt. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Tim, KI6BGE. And he's referencing the video, uh, Resonant Frequency Video Edition 1, Episode 1. 
a short intro to Linux for amateur radio operators. Uh, y'all go over and check it out. You can get to it from the website, or you can go over to YouTube and look for uh, resonant frequency or KB5JBV, and it ought to pop right up. So, uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to be trying to do some video for y'all and uh, see if we can't get uh, at least get y'all seeing some of the stuff we're talking about. All right, uh, the next one is also from Tim. Uh, Another piece of another comment on the website, and it says, ads are fine. If it helps the cause, it's worth the pause. As always, a big fan, Tim, KI6BGE. And I can't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before I mentioned something about having to put some ads on the on the site because we've got to pay our server fees, and I really can't get around that we have to be able to pay our server fees and i've been paying it out of my own pocket for four years except for the donations that have come in but i guarantee even though a lot of y'all have been extremely generous the donations that come in are not as much as it costs us to run this show so in response to uh him leaving the comment about stuff hiding the uh hiding the login and stuff like that. It's simply because everything's up front. Y'all can see everything that's going on. And we've added, uh, added some ways to make things a little easier. And I had to add some ads to the site. So, uh, that's pretty much that one. <laughs> All right. So our next one is for me. And our next one is also for me. And we got a Google alert, which was just when I posted the second video, which is um, a little bit about DX clusters and a program that I use, which is called XDX, for uh, looking at the DX clusters. I mean, you can do it through Telnet. You can do it through some of your logging programs, but I like a separate program for it. And uh, that video is also available. You can go check it out on the website or look it up on YouTube. It'll be on our channel, and I think you'll be fairly impressed in the layout of our channel. I, I spent a little time working on that. All right, so the next one we've got is a donation. Donation came in from Ted, and this really doesn't show me... Hmm, really doesn't show me a call sign or anything, however... Uh, Ted knows who he is and Ted, thank you for the donation. Ted sent in $10, I, I never say that. He sent in a donation, donation to help us pay the server fees. And wait a minute. Yeah. To help us pay the donation, uh, the uh, server fees. I'll let y'all know on the website, along with the Amazon banners, and now we have GoDaddy as a sponsor also. Uh, we also have set up a donation can program, which makes it easier for y'all to go ahead and drop a donation in PayPal. And it shows the progress of our do donations so far. And right now, the only thing that we're taking donations for is uh, our operating expenses. Uh, it's listed as server fees, I believe. 
and it's got a little graphic. It shows how much we've collected and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, y'all go over, if any episode that we've ever done has helped you out, it's gotta be worth a dollar. You know, I bought a, bought a soda the other day at the grocery store for buck and a half, a soda. Come on. Anyway, let's, let us move on with the feedback since we're trying to get through it. Okay. So, um, we got a mention on Twitter on episode 28 from who it doesn't tell me who, (laughs) oh my goodness. Okay. Well, thank you for the mention on Twitter. Um, uh, it really doesn't show me who it was that was talking about us, but we like it just the same. They were talking about episode 48, which would have been the uh, last studio episode. So hey, y'all go over and check out episode 48. Let's see what else we got. I got another one, which also doesn't show us who it was. Um, nope, sure doesn't, but it also mentions episode 48. So y'all go check out episode 48. Now let's finally get to something that we can read to y'all so that, uh, you don't doze, doze off on us. The next one we've got is from V two G Z I V E two G Z I Bruce and Bruce writes. Hi, Richard. Glad to hear you back. I love listening to the podcast and your common sense, no nonsense, down to earth, uh, dialogues. Keep it up. I will keep listening. Soon as I sort out a couple of, couple of dollars, they will be headed your way to support the show. I am hoping to catch you at Dayton. Uh, I promised to drop off a little something to Russ last year you but i just didn't get it to him this year i promise in fact i would love to buy you a couple of beers well if for some reason i end up at dayton you're welcome to do so uh keep it up and i hope 2011 is a better year for you and the family 73 ve2 gzi thank you bruce i really appreciate that and that uh that also came in as a comment from the website Y'all go, y'all can go over and leave him comments. I, they'll get read too. And Bruce, thank you. As far as Dayton's concerned, things are better, but they're not perfect. <laughs> and, uh, we're, we're current, we're actually working that direction. So, uh, us getting to Dayton, we'll, we'll have to see what materializes between now and then. But if I'm there, you are welcome to buy me a couple beers, uh, a steak, and some ice cream, I like ice cream. And, uh, who knows? I might even let you take me over to, over to the rock and roll hall of fame. We'll, we'll see what happens. All right. So the next one is also from Bruce and it's the same one. Again, we need to get these sorted out better. If we're going to go on there and talk to you guys. So the next one after that comes from Joe, uh, any three R, uh, yeah, any three R and Joe says, as I post this and it's a response to, I post, I've been posting articles over to website too, folks. Uh, I'm reissuing some of the older articles and adding some newer ones as they come into my tiny mind. 
And this is a comment which was left on my article. So that's the best argument you have against D star over on the website. So, uh, Joe wanted to let me know as I post this from my windows seven computer running Google Chrome yet from Microsoft building 40 in Redmond, Washington, I'll be a little hypocritical. The voice codec is problem number one in D star. It has, it has turned off a lot of hams like me, the tinkering type that in itself hasn't kept me from D star, but it is a factor. The bigger factor is the lack of adoption in my area. I have put myself on the, on the hook for a D star radio purchase. Should one of the local repeater groups install a D star repeater. Also an expensive process. We actually have a 70 centimeter P 25 repeater in the area that gets some use, but it costs about two fifths of what a D star controller would. I tend to run most of my ham radio software on Linux, uh, Linux wine, but still some seem to only work on windows. My image of ham radio is from the bygone area, I guess, because I have a hard time imagining that ham radio operators in general, aren't Linux users. It just seems to fit with my vision of the ideal ham. You know, someone who built his radio or at least gets in there and hacks around a bit. I think the only rig I have that hasn't had a personal by myself is a basic two meter mobile rig, unless you count repairing the mic. And that comment was from Joe in E3R. Well, Joe, I understand. And you guys are really going to have to go over and read the article to, to get the full gist of this. But, uh, Joe, yes. Okay. The codec is closed. However, I did lay out the fact that amateur radio operators are not, um, above using proprietary codecs, proprietary, uh, modes, uh, proprietary software. Uh, we're, we're not above that. And unfortunately, yes, um, my amateur radio hobby has led me to Linux and in the process of using it, I've learned that it's infinitely better than what I was stuck with before. Now, as far as the repeaters are concerned, the D star repeaters, I haven't checked one out in some time, the cost on them, but number one, these guys really missed out because Icon was giving away repeaters at one point. Uh, if, uh, Members of certain members of a club bought a certain number of radios. They would give them a repeater free of charge. And the last time I checked the prices on them, they were no more expensive than the Kenwood that we're running over here or were running over here in Mesquite. I don't even know if it's still in, in operation, but the majority of the stuff that runs on a regular repeater, um, the duplexers, the antennas, all that stuff will run on a D star repeater and uh, the initial investment may be a little more, but when you go to add module modules for multiple bands, it becomes cheaper and cheaper. But this is once again, 
a discussion that will go on for some time. Like I said, you guys go over to the website uh, and check out. It was posted on uh, the article was posted. That doesn't show the date. But anyway, go over and read it and let me know what you think. All right. So the next one we've got is from Paul, KE5WMA, down there at Bell South. I think it was multiple times for Paul uh, uh, dropping a little donation on the show. And, Paul, we sure do appreciate it because, uh, you know, every little bit helps. Every little bit helps uh, keep the show going. Once again, well, I'll get to that in a minute. All right, so our next one is another comment from Tim, KI6BG. Man, we had them flooding in because we had so much stuff going out uh, between episode 48 and now, and even episode 47 and now. And uh, we got a lot of stuff in. Luckily, we're not going to drag this out into a uh, whole feedback episode we may have to start considering that like the guys over at uh, Going Linux do. But anyway, back to Tim. Tim writes, amateur radio has certain obligations. Wait a minute. This is also a comment on the uh, So That's Your Best Argument Against D-Star article. Amateur radio has certain obligations. The first is to be there when our fellow man needs us to get the message through. The second is to develop methods to accomplish the first obligation. To fulfill the first two obligations, it becomes necessary to utilize the tools that are available. And the most effective effective accomplish the task at hand. I'm, I'm thinking it's most effective tools to accomplish the task at hand. The radios and the modes we use are tools. We must become proficient with the tools that we have because there are times when someone's life may depend on it. To to debate, and I won't say argue because debate can be more effective, whether or not to use a particular technology, mode, equipment, etc. is moot. When the rubber hits the road, and getting the message through is the ultimate goal. In my tool, in my toolbox, I want to have the tools that are essential to get the job done. D-Star is one of those tools, as are AM, sideband, FM, CW, etc. Use what you have and can afford, and above all, become proficient with your equipment so that when it's when it's time you can respond appropriately it's a hobby and so much more and that comes from tim ki6bge and yes tim that you bring up a good point and uh, one of the things i learned you know i went and took that arecc course when they first offered it because i figured out a way to take all three of them and it not actually cost me anything. I was just had $45 floating out there for a few months getting the job done. And the AREC course is 
say, we will use whatever is necessary. We will use radios. We will have somebody carrying messages back and forth. We will use fax machines. We will use whatever's at our disposal to get the message through. And if we're going to discount something that even, I don't know about the rest of the country, but the emergency management people here are really enthusiastic about, if we're going to avoid using that uh, simply because we don't like it. And uh, for those of y'all who haven't been to the website yet, uh, the whole point of the article, down towards the end anyway, is that Griping that it's proprietary um, is an excuse. Some people are afraid of new stuff. Some people can't afford the new stuff. I can understand this. I can understand this more than most. But the whole point is, if that's the case, just say that's what it is and don't say it's because it's proprietary. But the whole point is that Yes, we will get the job done. And yes, just because we're radio operators doesn't mean that we're always going to be operating radios in a emergency or disaster situation. I know one time I got called up on races and this one sticks in my mind for sure. I got called up for races when I was attached to Kaufman County and we didn't touch a radio while we were out there. We stood on the square in downtown Kaufman, and as cars drove by, we handed them a gallon jug of water. So, you know, let's use the tools we got. And if we're going to do emergency communications, we're going to do it however we need to do it. So enough on that. We got one more feedback. We'll say a few things, and then we'll move on. Uh we have another comment on that same article, so that's your best ar- so that's your best argument against D Star. And this one comes from WS4E. WS4E, who is also one of our regular listeners, regular commenters, feedback guy. We're happy for all you guys sending us feedback so we know what's know what y'all are thinking out there. And what he has to say is I just don't want to buy ICOM. Call me when I can use a D-Star on my Yezu. But if you don't care about proprietary, why didn't we use the already real-world proven and multi-vendor supported commercial standard digital APCO 25 system? So that's his comment on that particular article. Now, as far as APCO 25... I haven't really delved into it that far. Um, why haven't we used it? Why did we have to wait for ICOM to come up with something else? Because we're ham radio operators and we think we're different. You know, radios are radios. We just spend more time practicing with ours. Why haven't you guys across the country set up APCO 25 systems? You know, that would be the question. Now, as far as I just don't want to buy ICOM, I can understand that. I'm a Kenwood guy. But I saw the usefulness of it 
after I won a radio that could be converted. So my first D-Star radio actually only cost me $200 because I won the two-meter radio, and it's an ICOM. Oh, crap. I don't even remember what model number it is, but it's uh, it's the VHF radio that you can purchase the digital board for and convert it to D-Star. And I won it in a raffle. I put a $200 board in it, which is about what the radio costs. And after using it a while, I saw the usefulness of the system and began using it. I hate icons. I hate the way they sound. Um, they just don't feel like a real radio when you have them in your hand. And I know I'm going to get feedback on, on not like an icon, but that's okay. I really don't care for ICOM radios. I I really hate the audio. I ran Kenwood radios for so many years, and the audio was so great on these on those Kenwood radios that um, I have to plug in an external speaker on these ICOMs to be able to listen to them. But I can see somebody being a diehard, and as far as Yezus are concerned, I really don't care for Yezus either. However, I do have a Yezu uh, 897, and the reason I have the Yezu 897 is because it fit. It was the perfect fit for my needs when I bought the radio, and it's been a pretty good radio, but once again, it's still got that audio problem. It sounds like a toy. So where that's concerned, that is a valid point. Don't tell me because it's proprietary. Uh, if you just don't like ICOM, ain't going to buy ICOM. Say you don't like ICOM, ain't going to buy it. If you don't have the money, you can't afford a D-Star radio, then say you can't afford a D-Star radio. But don't don't stand on proprietary because most of the people listening to my voice right now run Windows or you run OS 10 and I could have a bigger problem with OS 10 because it starts out as a free operating system, but because of the licensing involved, they're able to close it up and lock it down the same way HRD does. So without getting into too much of a rant, let me run through the, let let me run through the business real quick. Um, We now have GoDaddy as a sponsor. Please go check out GoDaddy. If you're planning on putting up a website, getting a URL, any of that kind of stuff, please go over to our website and click through on the banner. That way we get a little piece of it to put towards supporting the show. Amazon.com, same way. If you're going to buy anything on the planet that you don't mind waiting a little bit for, uh, for it to be shipped to you, Go to the website, click on the Amazon banner, any of the Amazon banners. Click on the Amazon banner. Go on over, whatever you purchase, we get a little piece of, I think it's 4%. So that'd be four cents on a dollar. But believe it or not, that really mounts up. Uh, Christmas two years ago, uh, y'all purchased enough stuff to end up bringing $100 this way. So it really does pile up. Go over and check that out. Or cut out the middleman. 
cut out the middleman, go over to the website, uh, click the donation button on the donation can. It'll show up in the show up in the little bar graph. We'll be able to take that and directly apply it to uh, operating expenses and everything else. And I don't want this show to ever turn into an hour long show where 20 to 25 minutes of it is commercials. And I know y'all get tired of hearing about it. That's one of the reasons that when the donations are coming in, that y'all rarely hear me ask for donations. I wouldn't ask for them at all if I could get away with it because I want this to be your show. I want you to have access to it and everything else. But the, the real world facts is, is that, um, it costs money. And I really don't want to be like PBS. They've been running a pledge drive on the PBS stations around here for almost a month. And I remember when I was a kid, when it was pledge drive time, they were on for seven days and that was it. Seven days, seven days, once a year. Now they're on for however long it takes to reach their goal. And they're on three and four times a year. So we really don't want to do that. And it's like I've said in the past. If any episode of this podcast has been helpful to you or has helped, or you've been able to help someone by letting them listen to that episode, then it's got to be worth a dollar. A dollar for something you can use. There's very little you can get nowadays that way. Now, I'm finished preaching. We finished the feedback. I want you all to go over and read the articles, even if you don't click any of the links. Go over to the website and check it out. Because like I said, we're reissuing some of the old articles. We're uh, doing new articles as we can. Just like this D-Star article that uh, we got several pieces of feedback on. You know, uh, I had heard so many people talk about it's proprietary, it's proprietary. And I was tired of hearing it because that's not the reason. And the last thing I'll say about that is the fact that, you know, my father's the kind of guy that won't even look at a live Linux CD, won't make any changes to his computer at all. He puts it in the disk drive, he runs it, he looks at it, he sees if he likes it. He won't even do that because he is so afraid of change. So with that, Rich is going to put the soapbox up. We're going to play some music. And when we get back, we're going to start a new series, kind of like the battery series. Y'all hang around and we'll be right back. Yeah. 
Okay. So, uh, sometime back we did a, we did a series on batteries and it was pretty well received. And, um, I got to thinking about it recently. We also had a request at one point for, uh, something on mobile installations. So after thinking about it and after actually doing a full scale, at least in my situation, a full scale mobile installation in, uh, a few months ago, I got to thinking maybe we ought to do a handful of episodes on that subject. Now, um, we'll get through it best we can, as long as we can. We seem to be back on the air. The donations are trickling in so we can pay our server fees and keep that up. And, uh, my situation's gotten better. So, uh, let's start talking about mobile installations. I do want to hear y'all's feedback on this as we go through it. And it may take us three, four or five episodes, but, but we'll get, uh, We'll get through it <laughs> just like we got through the batteries. So mobile installations. One of the things that, uh, well, every one of us, when we first get our license, we want to uh, get a radio in the car. And y'all know that I'm a big promoter of get on the air and make it pretty later. You know, get an antenna in there so you can work HF. Get uh, something, even if it's handheld, in your car so you can get on there that um, on VHF and UHF. You know, get on there and make it pretty later. Well, as far as that's concerned, I haven't been above uh, running a running a two meter rig off a cigarette lighter plug and uh, sticking a mag mount on the roof of my vehicle. And in fact, the first quarter wave two meter antenna I ever had, I made myself. I found an old, uh, CB antenna in a junk store that the stinger would screw down on the base. If I took the coil out. So I cut the, uh, cut the stinger off and made myself a two meter mag mount antenna. And along with that, I had a, uh, Yezu 70. Yeah, I don't even remember 209RH, a 209RH. It was a, a Yezu handheld first hand, two meter handheld I ever had. And it'd do full five Watts. And it also had a plug where I could plug 12 volts into it. So cigarette lighter plug, uh, wire plugged into the radio, radio plugged into the antenna. And at that time, the, uh, repeaters here in, in Dallas County weren't, haven't had not fallen into the deteriorated state they're in now and on five watts you could work uh, most of the repeaters in dallas county from just about anywhere in dallas county on five watts but i digress so and over the years i've done uh, installations with vhf and uhf radios 10 meter radios that i always called temporary because I never really kept a car that long when I was first licensed. So I always uh, made sure they were easy to take out and take inside or take out and move to another vehicle or whatever. Uh, 
you know, I had a, uh, a unit in, uh, HR 2600 that it went through four or five different cars with me. And in fact, it's sitting over in a drawer somewhere. I probably need to take it out and see if the thing still works. Uh, we might get some 10 meters before this solar cycle's over. So anyway, this, this is kind of the opener of our series. So I'm going to talk a few minutes about, you need to have a plan. If you're going to do, uh, if you're going to do a serious mobile installation, you need to have a plan. You need to know what you're going to do. It's kind of like putting your home station together putting your home station together, you can either assemble it piece by piece and take a piece out and sell it so you can get a different piece and all this other stuff until you finally get where you're going. Well, in the case of a mobile installation, it's a little more difficult to do that kind of stuff. Uh, You kind of need to know from the get-go what you want to do. If you want to run HF, uh, you want to run six meters, two meters, uh, UHF, you know, what, whatever you're going to run out of the vehicle. Now, currently I'm able to run from 75 meters up to 70 centimeters or the 440 band out of my, out of my truck with the exception of 220 and six meters simply because I don't have radios for those bands that I want to take a chance of them being in my vehicle in case somebody decides it's a CB radio and wants to break in. But we'll get to that part also. So, first of all, very first, you need a plan. Figure out what you're going to try and do. Now, in the case of somebody who drives a pickup truck or a van or even a minivan, it's easier to do HF because you have more room to put this stuff in. In the case of smaller vehicles and vehicles you're not in very much, you may want to stick with, I don't know, an APRS radio and uh, uh, VHF or a dual bander, VHF, UHF, driving around town socializing chatting that kind of stuff you and in the case of antennas which we'll get to also you probably want to make sure that uh, you have some way to get a good uh, mount get that antenna mounted in some uh, reasonable way so it makes good contact and all this other mess but once you have your plan and in my case Uh, This last installation, I decided that I wanted to be able to run HF at uh, a reasonably low power level, except when I was in motion, and I could run my 100-watt radio full power. You need to decide. In my case, uh, I have a dual-band D-Star radio, which I wanted in there. I also wanted some way to have access a laptop now not necessarily for the internet and not necessarily for D-Star high speed digital because I don't have that radio I don't have an ID one 
but so that I could plug into my HF rig and run PSK if I needed to, so I could plug into the other radio and uh, run uh, low-speed digital on D-Star if I needed to. And if y'all listen to the other show, and I think I've mentioned it once or twice, there's some good software out there for doing that kind of stuff. Pack it into mobile, for me anyway, because I am no longer a Windows user, at least on my laptops. Uh, Pack it is not exactly something I'm going to do out of the vehicle. So I've got my considerations in place. I want HF. I want VHF, UHF. So I have a plan and I pursue it. Now, as I'm talking, some of the stuff I did or some of the stuff I will tell y'all, I did. Some of the stuff I will tell y'all is stuff that I haven't done or haven't done yet, but it's a good idea. So we just got a few minutes left in this segment and I... I don't want to go too long on it because I know the feedback. We've got lots of feedback, and I haven't actually done the feedback section yet. Uh, That's the beauty of editing. But let's go this direction. The first thing you're going to need is a power supply. In my case, the power supply is a 1996 Ford F-150 with a uh, small V8 in it and a pretty good-sized battery, and a standard alternator. Some of these things I do want to change, but at the moment, that's what we've got. So your first consideration is drawing what you're going to draw power from for that radio. Now, in the case of this Ford, I want to upgrade to the higher output alternator mainly because the one that's in there has got, a few, got an issue. It doesn't charge like it's supposed to for a stock one. And I want a little bit extra to run these radios while I'm going down the road or when I'm trying to recharge my system. You also want to take into consideration you need a good ground for your power leads. And we'll talk about hooking radios, actually hooking radios up to power, probably in the next episode. Or the next episode that's in studio. So, I have found for a lot of years that the absolute best way to hook power up to your radio is to hook it to the main battery. Now, there's a reason for this. And we'll probably, well, let's discuss it here. There's a lot of devices in cars nowadays, newer vehicles, that are unintentional radiators of RF. When I first got licensed, there were very few vehicles that you had a lot of electronics under the hood. In fact, uh, I can't remember for sure, but I think the first, the very first vehicle that I put uh, a radio in was a 1978 Vista Cruiser, which big cutlass, big uh, cutlass station wagon. And at that time, the only electronics you really had under the hood 
that we would call electronics today was the electronic ignition. It had a, it had a module in the top of it, GM. Uh, some of you older guys can remember when we switched over to that. But nowadays, you've got computers under the hood. You've got um, other stuff. You know, back then, we really... Our biggest problem was not using the right spark plugs because non-resistor plugs would cause noise. Uh, you also have to worry about the fan on your heater air conditioner and some of the other electronics that's in up under the hood because even this Ford truck that I'm driving has electronic fuel injection and has a potential to uh, cause interference. So your best bet is to hook up directly to the battery. If you can't hook up as close as you can. Um, I know some guys on Fords, they'll hook the power side up to the, uh, solenoid, which is adjacent to the battery in most Fords on the firewall. You want to make sure you have good ground. And I keep going back to the battery because the battery, in essence, a car battery, for the most part, is a big capacitor. And this allows you some filtering also for noise coming in on the system. Now, another consideration you might want to take into something you might want to think about is adding a second battery. Well, adding a second battery is also a good idea. It will give you more capacity. But if you run your radios too long without starting your vehicle, you're going to run that battery down. All of the batteries. You're going to end up stuck out on a deployment for whatever, and you're going to end up stuck with no way to get your car started. In that case, you might want to think about installing an isolator. We have to thank the guys that have those rolling boom boxes for the fact that strides have been made in the case of isolators. And you can pick them up between, I don't know, either side of $50 within 25, 30 bucks, either side of 50 bucks. You can pick up an isolator and put it in line. And then you can charge your extra battery draw off the extra battery but even if you run the extra battery all the way down it won't affect the battery that actually starts and runs your vehicle this is one consideration and i something else when i and i'll come back to it the leads running from wherever you hook into power you need to fuse both of them because there is a good potential because you're running past hot stuff, sharp stuff, stuff that moves when you go down the road. There's good good potential there for accidentally rubbing off the insulation and shorting something out. You really wouldn't want your car to catch fire. I know you wouldn't want your radios to blow up. And I have let the smoke out of more than one mobile radio myself, so... I can see the advantages of fusing stuff. But the temporary installation stuff, like plugging into a fuse block under the uh, dash, which I've done in the past, or hooking into the wire that runs your car radio, which 
is also another possible source of interference. Um, it, it's been tracked to the uh, the uh, clock in some cars. Just the clock running in the radio causing interference. Uh, you don't want to do any of this stuff. You probably want to run a lead directly to your battery. Get an isolator in place if you can, if you're going to run an extra battery. Another warning in the case of extra batteries, unless you're going to use the uh, batteries that are branded as Optima, Optima batteries are sealed batteries. Everything else is a vented lead-acid battery. And when you charge lead-acid batteries, they emit hydrogen. And hydrogen is explosive. So a spark inside your passenger compartment, if you've got a battery in there, could touch it off, cause an explosion. I'm a smoker. And uh, that's one of the reasons that it's really important to me. I know that all my wiring's in pretty good shape, but, uh, you know, me just striking a lighter would be enough to set it off. Make sure that if it needs to be outside the passenger, the, uh, yeah, passenger compartment. Even if it's outside the passenger compartment, but it's still inside the body of the car, you need to have it vented to the outside. You can do this with 12-volt pancake fans, whatever. Make sure it's in a box, uh, a battery. You know, the plastic battery boxes. um, Or it's fastened down underneath the hood if you have room. I haven't seen a car in quite some time that had room under the hood for an extra battery, but I know there's some out there. So we've talked about hooking to the battery. We've talked about some considerations on the uh, installation. Like I said, you need to start off with a plan. I'm going to walk you all through what I did with some suggestions that are not stuff I did. And as we proceed... We'll probably get some feedback, and we'll see how this series goes. It's like I said, the battery series was pretty well received, and I hope that uh, this one works out for y'all too. So with that, we're going to go ahead and uh, and wrap up this segment. We're going to play a little music, and we'll see what we got at the end. Just smile and have a 
go. In case you haven't noticed, this is another one of those Brad Sucks episodes of Resonant Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast. Uh, y'all go over and check his music out. Uh, Brad Sucks is available at Jamendo, uh, Magnatune, any place your finer, creative Collins uh, type music is available. And uh, we really like Brad Sucks here at uh, Resonant Frequency. Y'all go over and check it out. And they'll, uh, I'm sure there'll be a link somewhere in the show notes to go find that music. All right. Let me remind y'all, House Bill 607, or House, whatever, HR 607 in the House of Representatives, uh, they're looking to try and take away some of our spectrum. Y'all go on over, go over to the website at rfpodcast.info and uh, check out what I have posted over there. It'll be uh, uh, an announcement from the West Gulf Division uh, director for the ARRL, but uh, the information will work for anybody, anywhere, anytime in the, uni- in the uh, United States. Uh, what else we got? Y'all go over to the website. Y'all drop us a donation or something. Uh, go over to Amazon. Click through from the link. Go over to Amazon. Uh, everything that y'all buy over there, we get a little bit of and it helps us out. Uh, go over to GoDaddy. Uh, any, any of your web needs can be, uh, gotten at GoDaddy. We also have a link you can click through to GoDaddy from the website. Go, uh, go do that. That helps us out also. All right. Now, uh, we've, uh, kicked off this new series in mobile installs. We're gonna, gonna see how far it takes us and we hope that y'all enjoy it. It's coming on springtime here in Texas, and I'm really looking forward to getting back into some serious ham radio activities. So with that, I can see that we've uh, already gotten back in the swing of things and pushed things over an hour. So we're going to go ahead and uh, zip on down the road, and y'all check us out. Uh, next time, we'd like to thank Bill for doing our show notes. We'd like to thank Brad Sucks for the music. If you want to contact me, you can... Uh, Get a hold of me at kb5jbv at gmail.com, kb5jbv at gmail.com, or you can follow me on any of the social networks, Facebook, all this other good stuff. All right, with that, uh, we're not going to bore you with the D-Star stuff. We'll wait till next time. Y'all have a great uh, great couple of weeks. Y'all uh, enjoy some time doing ham radio. Enjoy some time with your family. And... Uh, you know, uh, pat those kiddos on the head for me. This is KB, KB5 JBV in Ball Springs, Texas, and we're out.